Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to dominate your career, then you are in the right place. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker. And Monica Marquez, ex-Googler, diversity expert, and senior corporate leader. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Nikki Barua, your host for today's episode. Have you ever hoped for your dreams to come true or wish that you were luckier in life? Well, if you want to succeed, then you must eliminate the words hope, luck, and wish from your vocabulary. That's the message from JT McCormick, whose inspiring story will convince you to follow his sage advice. JT was born the mixed-race son of a drug-dealing pimp father and a struggling single mother. He was raised in the slums of Dayton, Ohio. He suffered incredible abuse and racism and had multiple stints in the juvenile justice system. He barely graduated high school and has no college degree. No one expected him to succeed. Against all odds, JT overcame racism, poverty, and abuse to achieve the American dream, becoming a very successful businessman leading multi-million dollar companies. JT McCormick now serves as the president and CEO of Scribe Media, a publishing company that has been widely recognized as one of the best places to work and ranked as the number one top company culture in America by Entrepreneur Magazine. In this two-part episode special, JT shares his leadership principles, his core values, and his belief that no obstacle is too difficult to conquer and that the game can be won by anyone from anywhere. J.T. McCormick's story stands out as a powerful expression of human potential, our incredible ability to persevere in the face of adversity and achieve our greatest ambitions. Here's part one of two. Visit imbeyondbearers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with JT. Hi, JT. I'm so excited for our conversation today because um, you are someone I truly admire, um, who you are, what you stand for your values, your leadership, your work ethic. Um, There's just so much to learn from you. So I I can be more thrilled to have you here. Well, Nikki, that's uh, you, you, you kind of hit me in the face right there with it, admire. I just, I just work hard. That's all I got. <laughs> the hustle is real, man. <laughs> that's, that's all I got. I just, I just work hard. I mean, it's, uh, man, admire. I appreciate that. I'm incredibly flattered and humble. Thank you, ma'am. No, you, uh, you're an incredible leader. So let's dive right in. Um, I know your story, but I want our listeners to hear directly from you. So share your story with us and especially how it shaped you. <sighs> So, wow, my story that, you know, that's, a, that's a bit of a open-ended question. So you, cause you know, my, my, my story. So give, give, give me a more, uh, give me more direction. Beginnings. Um, you know, wow. How, how the, um, you know, the, the great leader emerged from all of that adversity. So we'll, we'll, I'll give you, I'll, I'll touch on the adversity a bit. So my, my father was a, I'm, I'm 48 years old. My father was a black pimp and drug dealer in the 1970s. And so when I say pimp, 
you know, a real pimp. He put women on the street corner. They sold their bodies, and and my dad took all, all their money. Um, but uh, along the way, he also managed to father twenty three children. So I'm one of twenty three. Wow! Now my I did mother, not know that. Yeah, my mother. See, see, there's there's some, I still got some things you don't know. Um, so my mother, she's white, and she was an orphan. She grew up in a 1950s institutional. Uh, orphanage, you know, where the the kids were routinely neglected, beat, you know. uh, So when she turned 17, they gave her a little suitcase, $20, and they said, good luck to you. There's a world. Make make the most Uh of it. She had never been outside of those four walls. Unfortunately for my mom, one of the first people she met was my quite a bit older, fast-talking dad. So, um, you know, I was and still am mixed race, but I grew up in the seventies and that was not a good look here in the States right. to, to be mixed race uh, in the seventies. Well, for, for some, it probably still is a good look, but uh, it, it's, it was tough. You know, mm-hmm. black people didn't like me because I was half white. White people didn't like me because I was half black. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we grew up extremely poor. We grew up on, on welfare. There were times where, you know, I, I would pull, trash from the, the school cafeteria and, and eat uh, uneaten sandwiches or half wow. eaten sandwiches because I knew there wasn't any, going to be anything to eat when I got home. Um, it, I was sexually molested by one of my dad's prostitutes uh, ages six, seven, and eight. Um, she, she would force me to uh, perform oral sex on her. And, and if I didn't do it right, she would slap me in the head, punch me in the face and tell me to do it right. And, you know, you're, you're, you're eight years old. You know, what, what's do it right mm-hmm. mean? I had no clue. And so uh, through, through all that, I was in and out of the juvenile three different times, oh bounced around from different family members, um, ended up when I graduated. Well, I never graduated from high school. I got, got my GED. Uh, but when I was 15 and I enrolled in, in uh, high school in Texas, when I got reunited with my mother, uh, I was testing on a fifth or sixth grade level mm-hmm. at 15 years old. So needless to say, didn't graduate high school, got my GED, did not graduate college. And my first job out of, uh, after I got my GED was cleaning toilets at a restaurant. And that was my, my first job. So that's where, where it all started was, was cleaning those toilets and and making a commitment. What's important here, Nikki is uh, what's important there is I remember looking at those filthy toilets and saying to myself, okay, if this is my job, this is my responsibility. I am going to have the cleanest toilets in the city of San Antonio. These are going to be the mm-hmm. cleanest toilets in the state of Texas. And from that day forward, everything I did, I just wanted to be the, the best at it. You know, my, my dad, and I, I recently started sharing this. I didn't share this up until about nine months ago. My dad actually instilled that in me. He, mm. he said to me once when I was a kid, he actually said to me and several of my siblings, whatever you do in life, be the best at it. He said, if you're going to sweep the street for a living, be the best street sweeper. And I could have given us a, a, you know, something a little more aspirational, but that, that's what he said. He said, if you're going to be the street sweeper, be the very best one. And so when I stood in front of those toilets, that was the mm-hmm. commitment I made. I said, okay, then I'm, I'm going to be the best at, at everything I do. And that, that was been, that's been my motto ever since. 
Oh my God, that is such an incredible story and so inspirational for the adversity that you've overcome. And it really puts things into perspective, especially right now. We're in the midst of a pandemic and, you know, there are people that are, uh, you know, struggling from just being stuck in the house in the luxury of our homes and the safety and security of gated. Now, Nikki, you know, we just talked about that. We are not <laughs> stuck in our homes. In our homes watching <laughs> Netflix, right? So it really puts things into perspective of what adversity could really look like. Yeah. Um, what, what really helped you um, overcome all of that and develop that right mindset and make the right choices along the way? What was the motivation to go beyond barriers when at any given point of time throughout that journey, you could have said, why me? And that's it. I can't take anymore. I give up. You know, the, I, oh, I greatly appreciate that question. So, so there's three things that in, went in there where you said, why me could have just ended it all. One, I never expected to live till I was 25, just given wow. the, the way I was growing up, never expected to live to, until I was 25. But a couple of things also happened in between there. My last visit to juvenile I want to say it was 13 or 14 years old. I'm leaving the facility and a corrections officer comes up to me and he's, he's seen me the three times I've been there yeah. and he comes up to me and he points at me in my face and he goes, son, if you come back here again, you're going to man prison. Now, Nikki, I'm 48 years old mm -hmm. and I don't know what it is about the term man prison. that just doesn't sound right. <laughs> so I, I did not want to go to man prison. I've never been to man prison. Yeah. And so that was a very mm -hmm. influential moment for me that I was like, hey, I don't want to go to man prison. Mm -hmm. So I never went back to juvenile again. Another thing that was very critical for me, I don't know if she was setting me up for this and maybe she thought maybe I considered it but I remember as a kid as, as a young kid I, I had to be under 10 years old my mother saying to me that committing suicide was one of the most selfish things you can do because you ease your pain but you leave the ones that love you in pain mm -hmm. and that stuck with me so you know I, I've always looked okay well things are hard I'm not going to kill myself because that's selfish. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to go to man prison because I, I don't want to go down that that mm -hmm. path. And so the the other, the third thing that you said there, you know, how did I overcome the, those odds? I've also looked at my my life and, and, and made decisions and choices that I never saw it as me overcoming odds or people saying to me, "Oh my gosh, you know, you uh, you had every reason not to succeed." I've always looked at it as, well, no, I had every reason to succeed, to succeed. because if I can make it through those things, <laughs> I can definitely make it in, in a structured, uh, sound, consistent environment. So business in, in many ways became a safe haven and a, mm -hmm. and a bit easy to me because it's very structured. It's routine, structured, consistent, mm -hmm. process, discipline all the things I didn't grow up with. So it's predictability and certainty, the things you, and exactly. safety, things you didn't have. Yes. And, yeah. and you get to structure the KPIs. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I found business to be very rewarding, therapeutic. And so mm -hmm. I, I've been, it, it's been incredible uh, blessing for me mm -hmm. that I found my lane in, in life, which was is, is business because mm -hmm. academically, 
not a lot going on up here. You know, I, uh, I, I still want to meet the, the, the woman or man who invented spell check. Cause my God, you have been influential in my career. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, but, but business itself has been mm-hmm. very sound, very, very mm-hmm. therapeutic. And, and like you said, it's, it's very structured, it's routine, it's consistent. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in many ways, you get to set the rules right. of what you're doing. So uh, again, I've never looked at my life as uh, overcoming anything, mm-hmm. or overcoming the odds or, oh, how'd you, how'd you manage to uh, you, you had every reason not to succeed or to, to give up. No, I had every reason to succeed and not give mm-hmm. up. So, I, I like uh, how you describe business becoming the lane for you. And as you're describing uh, the uh, scenario from the situation you faced in your childhood, it was suicide was not an option. No. Man prison was not an option. So it's almost <laughs> like these things that, you know, if life is like a decision tree and you have all these various choices and options available to you, all these choices got eliminated because either the consequences were not acceptable um, and, in you know, or there was something that you did not believe in, but instead there was a compelling future that got focused because of that. And so much of, you know, what we end up doing um, whether we're conscious about it or not, tends to come from that framework, really. Yeah. Either a yeah. consequence we want to avoid um, or a compelling future that's pulling us towards it. And through that, you find that North Star and that path. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, but it, especially for you describing, I had um, every reason to succeed. I think that's so incredibly powerful. And I think it really speaks oh, totally. to so many people that have uh, dealt with so much adversity and even the immigrant story. I mean, for most immigrants, that's exactly the reason why they feel like they can succeed because they've already overcome right. so much. Everything else, when there's certainty and there's safety and there's food on the table and you're alive, is a great day. <laughs> right, right. It, it's, it, it, it's interesting, too. I, I say this. I'm glad you brought up the, the immigrant piece of this. I, I say this to people all the time. Right now, um, when I look back at my life and I look at some of the challenges I had from, from sexual abuse to, you know, I, I, we, I got abandoned one time with three of my half brothers and sisters and we got left in a home for, for three weeks. When I look at the things that I've gone through in life, at the end of the day, I was still born here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not going to make this a political thing. It, it doesn't matter to me what side of the fence someone falls on, Democrat, Republican, liberal, I, I don't care. But the fact of the matter is there's a single mom right now walking 1,100 miles from Honduras looking to get into this country to create an opportunity for herself right. and her children. On my worst day, I never had to face that. So I I tend to look at the current events of the world. Many people Mm -hmm. think I dip back into my personal story for inspiration or or motivation, Mm -hmm. and and I don't. I I look at the things that are going on right now that inspire me. The Mm -hmm. fact of, you know, you you can watch the news this evening and there's someone standing in line uh, 18 hours today for a mm-hmm. free box of food because of this, this virus disruption that we're in. I don't have that challenge. So I, I choose to look right around me in front of my face and realize it, it is a great day. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm blessed. I'm healthy. I woke up. But 
yeah, if, if you truly look at it from, from an immigrant perspective, I've always been so, I've had so much admiration for immigrants who come to this country with 45 cents in their pocket and you, <laughs> you hear about them years later and they're multimillionaires. I'm like, wait a minute, I was born here. I, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm ahead of them. I was, I was already here. Right. And so I feel given that I have a responsibility to succeed because of the circumstances that I was born in this country. Yeah. So that's, that's the way I, I live, live my life. I really appreciate you saying that because as an immigrant that came to this country 20 years ago with absolutely nothing, um, I've lived that exact journey and I know what uh, it looks like. And there's, um, in my worst moments, even now, I think about how fortunate I am because I have more resources um, and safety and security today than I ever did before. And I think there's something about that experience that really shapes you because it fills your life with gratitude. You know, you look at things very differently to think about, you know, your your needs become very basic. (laughs) Every day that I'm awake and I'm alive and I'm healthy, it's a day to celebrate. And you're grateful for everything that comes your way. And no challenge is um, impossible. No, you, you, you appreciate this when you said gratitude. Uh, my, my wife laughs at me sometimes. Um, I'm at times just grateful when I flip the light switch and the lights come on <laughs> because I know what it's like to not, for the lights to be disconnected, yes. for there to be no water in the, in the house. House. And so, uh, matter of fact, I was, this, this happened two days ago. I'm, I'm walking in the house from the garage. I think I took the trash out or something. And my wife's sitting on the couch and I go over to her. I said, you know, our garage is bigger than most um, apartments some people live in. Yeah. I said, isn't that crazy? And, and then it, it hit me one day. So this hit me recently. So since we've had this big virus disruption, I, I've been working in the, in the bedroom because we, we have a home office, but my kids know I'm here. So they just stand outside and bang on the door the whole, t- whole time until I open the door. So I'm in the, in the bedroom and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at my bedroom. I'm looking at the, the, the bathroom and the walk-in closet. And I go, wow, my bedroom, bathroom, and closet are bigger than the apartment that I grew up in. And so for, for me, it's very humbling and, and I never want to forget where I came from and, and, and how I got here. Um, so, yeah, gratitude is, is massive for me. And, and, and I won't go too far off on a tangent here, but Nikki, this one's important to me. I find it interesting that when things go wrong, people all of a sudden pray harder, mm-hmm. pray more. Um, you know, ask God to, to hear their prayers, answer their prayers. And truth be told, I pray more when things are going right because I feel so blessed that I have the things I have. Right. And I feel that when you give thanks, gratitude, pray more, uh, appreciate, recognize when things are great, when things do get hard and we're human, they, they do. Yeah that's when your prayers are truly heard is when you, you know, we, we tend as hu- tend to as humans, when things are great, we, we believe it was us that, that mm-hmm. did it. Um, but you know, when, when I pray to, to God, uh, sometimes our prayers are already being answered, but but we're upset because they're not being answered the way we want to. You know, he, right. God didn't deliver it on this. <laughs> they didn't follow, God didn't towards, follow my plan. <laughs> right. And, and sometimes the blessing, the prayer, the answer is, are you healthy? Are you mentally capable? 
great. I gave you what you're asking for. Now go get it. Mm-hmm. I love that. But even in um, the failure and the loss, there's still gratitude even for that because our greatest transformation often comes from exactly that. You know, it, it creates space for it. And when there's loss, it creates room for the opposite of it is what will you gain? How will you grow from that? You know, when you experience failure, what will you learn from that? What new competency or skill will you develop as a result of that? So there's a gratitude for that experience that can really unlock you. You know, yeah. and um, I think even the prayer in that, uh, which we were talking about earlier, which is instead of saying, why me? Thank God it's me that right. I get this opportunity <laughs> to deal yep. with this. And I think it's, that's... It's, it's funny, Nikki, I feel like you're setting me up. Um, it, it's when, when you say the failures. So for me, I refuse to use the word fail. Um, mm-hmm. I, I truly believe, and, 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 Nikki, okay, you got to let me go on a rant here for a second. So, <laughs> all right. So, it's, our society is the damnedest thing that, that we, we live in. Everyone says we learn the most from our mistakes. Yeah. But no one shares their mistakes. Like, so, wait a minute. I don't understand. Like, we can go to LinkedIn, blog posts, wherever you consume content, and everyone is sharing top five things Jeff Bezos did, top 10 things to Steve Jobs did to be successful, Elon Musk, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about their top five success list. Give me the top five mistake list. That's the list that I want. And so, for me, I believe that we all make mistakes in, in, in life and in business. The mm-hmm. goal is to learn, grow, and not repeat those mistakes. Mm-hmm. So for me, I just despise the term fell fast. Yeah. I've spent my whole life, given my background, trying to learn faster. I don't want to fail fast. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm going to make some mistakes, but if, if I don't repeat my mistakes, you know, as a first-time president of a software company, oh my God, I made mistakes. Um, but my failures came only uh, my past relationships. I couldn't hold a relationship to save my life. Just mm-hmm. could, did not know how to operate in a relationship. So we broke up. Okay, so I've got failed relationships. But as far as business, investing, okay, mm-hmm. I've made some mistakes but as long as I learn and grow and don't repeat right. those mistakes, I refuse to say fail. And, right. and, and last piece on this, I, I'll share with you where that came from, in case anybody's interested. Um, there's a book called Think and Grow Rich. Mm-hmm. And in this book, I'm going to paraphrase this. And I was 20, 21 years old, and I read where Thomas Edison, it took him 10,000 times to invent electricity, the light bulb. And he said, did I fail 10,000 ways or did I find 10,000 ways that didn't work? And that became for me my mantra of, oh, you only fail if you stop trying. And that's that's what I live by. And that too is a decision. Yes. When you decide to stop trying, it's your decision to fail. (laughs) To actually accept that failure versus saying, all right, well, you know, here are the nine ways that didn't work. Now I'm getting closer to success, to finding the answer. So let me go forward from there. Exactly. uh, You know, but your point about people don't talk about their failures, it has more to do with shame than the failure itself. 
Um, and then there are those of us that get comfortable sharing our stories of, you know, adversity, loss, failure, what have you. Um, and it's incredibly liberating. Um, I know it was oh, yes. for me that was so liberating to just get past that because you accept you're human, you accept reality and life as it comes, but more than anything else, you accept your own personal power to be able to uh, overcome anything and really create the life that you want. Um, what has helped you in that? You know, what has been uh, sort of the guiding principle for you in being so comfortable with setbacks, a loss or life story or uh, failures and not let shame get in the way? Because shame truly can be a showstopper, right? I mean, in business and life and everything, it can be a showstopper. So. You know, and, and, and I'll be fair to this. You know, it wasn't until, like I said, I'm 48 now. Three years ago, my, my book came out. And I only did my book as a legacy piece for my children. I mm-hmm. never wanted that book to go public because there were things in there that I did not want people to, to know about me. You know, mm-hmm. for, for years, no one knew my father was a, a black pimp and drug dealer and had 23 mm-hmm. kids. Who, who's going to want to date that guy? You know, um, and, you know or who's going to want to hire that, that guy? Right. So um, even, even my name, a lot of people didn't know my actual name was Javon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I go by JT McCormick. I learned early on in my 20s, huh, if I go by JT McCormick, you can't judge me. You mm-hmm. won't know, okay, who, who is that? But if I go by Javon, society's going to say, oh, okay, it's a black guy. He's got a black name. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I've, I've, I'll say it the way my wife said it best. I have been a chameleon. I have mm. been whatever I needed to be to get to wherever I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. So there are people at times that thought I was Middle Eastern, Puerto Rican. Uh, when I lived in San Antonio, people thought I was Mexican. And again, whatever I needed to be is what, mm-hmm. what I was. There were people who thought I had an MBA. Hey, you know what? <laughs> if you think that, then that's what we're going with. Um, so the the one of the most... Um, how do I, how do I say that one of the most freeing pages of that book, it says, my name is Javon Thomas McCormick. My father was a black pimp and drug dealer. My mother was an orphan. I don't know where my last name comes from to this day. I have no clue where my last name comes from. Uh, I have a GED, no college degree, and this is who I am. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I accepted that and, I can honestly say I would have liked to have accepted that back in my 20s. I feel like I could even be mm-hmm. further along in, in life, but you know, I'm glad I, I accepted it when, mm-hmm. when I did, and I'm glad I did that book for, for my children. But the book was very therapeutic to realize, okay, this, this is who I am, and, and I do have a, a certain God-given skill set that I continue to focus on and grow and learn. Uh, to, to your point, I, I don't focus on my weaknesses. Um, I, I focus on my strengths. I figure, right. okay, well, if I'm good here and I, focus, and I double down, I can be great. I can be impeccable. Right. I'm a horrible speller. If I spend a whole year uh, attempting to be a better speller, 
I'm going to end up being mediocre at best. So I'm not focusing on that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Smart choices. <laughs> so, so, you know, over to, to directly answer your question, what are some of those things? Uh, belief in myself was, mm-hmm. was a huge one. I, I, I say this and I say, if, if people turn this off right now and they don't listen to another thing that I say, you can't expect someone to love or believe in you if you don't love and believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, if no one else loves or believes in me, I know I can look in the mirror and love and believe in myself. And, and you just can't, it is unfair, it is wrong, and it can't happen if you want someone else to love or believe in you and you don't love and believe in yourself, it'll never happen. And that's more than enough. You know, it's yes. a starting point of loving yourself is more than enough. I and love everything me else me. is. <laughs> Everything else is cherry on top, right? Yes. (laughs) So, you know, this is so um, powerful for our audience to recognize that if you simply let go of the shame and you own your story and you love yourself without judgment, without that self-criticism, not only is it incredibly liberating, but it actually becomes a pathway to get to the other side where your greatest treasures lie. You know, it's it's that gate that's holding you back because you're so afraid of what other people are going to say, what they're going to think. And meanwhile, guess what? Nobody's thinking about you because we're all so busy worrying about ourselves that, you know, if there's a moment where you think, what if I made this choice? What if I quit my job and start a company and then the business failed? What if, you know, people found out about my failed relationships or that I lost money or this happened, I made a bad decision or I was a bad person? None of that is permanent. It's a question of sort of how you get to the other side of that. Totally, totally. It's, it's interesting to, um, when, when you take a look back and you see how many people are active on social media, I find the people who drop the most judgmental comments are the people who are most upset about their own lives. So mm-hmm. they criticize so- someone else but but at the end of the day it's if it, my wife gets on me sometimes for this I'm not the most neighborly of people I'll wave I'll say hi to the neighbors whatever but I'm not I'm not the block party neighbor guy yeah and and I, I say to my wife I go look if we have to file bankruptcy right now do you think the neighbor's going to kick in on our house payment that I, I highly doubt it so I'm not really running out to to, to develop the relationship there because the belief lies within me in our household and I'm not really into, Oh, well, what do you do for a living? Just so the neighbors can judge me and everybody's trying to keep up with one another. No, Uh, you know, it's, it's about you and, and are you happy with yourself? Can you Mm -hmm. look at yourself in the mirror and know that you're, you're doing all you can to be the very best person you can. And, and, and I'll share this with you. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me in life, um, you and I were just talking about this. So you, it happened to you in 2008. It happened to me in 2007. So I had a million dollars, lost it all, mm-hmm. broke, ne- negative broke. I had to borrow money from my friend, my best friend and my stepdad to pay my rent. And so I was negative broke. But I remember looking in the mirror and saying to myself, okay, you had all this money, but you still had a horrible character. You just weren't a good man. You weren't a good 
person. And I remember saying to myself, okay, you had a lot of money. Now you don't have the money, but you still have the same character. Yeah. So you're still taking you with you wherever right. you're going. <laughs> and it hit me. I go, Ooh, money or not, you're still the same. You still yeah. have the same character regardless. And, and my goal from that point forward said, okay, who do you want to be going forward from here? Mm. What, what type of person do you want to be? Yeah. And that, that became a major goal of mine was I, I want to be the very best person I can be. And, and don't get me wrong, it, it still took time and there was challenges and learning and, and things of that mm-hmm. nature. But, um, you know, it, it's, I, I share those mistakes Mm-hmm. Even now in my role as CEO uh, on LinkedIn, I share my mistakes. I share things I've done wrong. I'm not mm-hmm. a big, you know, share my successes. You can kind of see those for yourself. Um, but I share the mistakes I've made in life. I tell people, yeah, I had a horrible character. I, I couldn't hold a relationship. I, I was just, I was atrocious in, in mm-hmm. relationship. So, yeah, who, yeah. love yourself. I mean, first. money just magnifies who you already are. Um, just yeah. like fame just magnifies who you already are. So the bigger thing is who do you want to be and who are you committed to being? Um, and I think that, um, like you've said, it really belief plays such a big part in that. Now you talk about hope versus belief. Let's <laughs> dig into that. Cause I, I, I love oh. that perspective and I couldn't agree more with you, but you know, especially in this time, Especially in this time. Yes. Oh, so Nikki, much you, of everything were, is made by that. <laughs> you are opening up the can. Um, <laughs> Let's go so, for it. Yes, there are three words that I will not say. Hope, wish, and luck. And I'll go mm-hmm. through all three. So hope. When I was a kid and I would hope my dad would come pick me up, he never showed up. And so hope didn't, you know, when I would hope there was something to eat when I got home, never produced anything. And, and so I, I got to share this part as well. So I got a friend of mine, he's a pastor and uh, he goes, JT, I say hope in my sermon all the time. In fact, I said hope 16 times in my sermon last week. And I said, okay. I said, follow me. Do you want me to hope there's a God or do you want me to believe there's mm. a God? Now keep in mind, he's a pastor. He looks at me and he goes, Damn. <laughs> he goes, I've never considered it from, from that side. I go, look, if, if I truly believe there's a God, I have to live in a manner in which I believe mm-hmm. God would want me to live. Mm-hmm. You can hope there's a God and you don't have to necessarily commit to that, that life uh, of living by God's word. And so I, I don't do hope. I, mm-hmm. I, I believe so, and I also believe, believe belief forces execution. Mm-hmm. If you believe you can have that big house, then you've got to do something to execute on that. Right. You can't just drive by and say, oh, I, I hope I have a house like that one day. That's not going to mm-hmm. produce anything. But if you truly believe it, then you know in your mind you've got to execute to go get that house. So, that's, that's hope and belief. Uh, wish. Wish is just ugly. I, I don't say that at all. Uh, again, when I wish I had food as a kid, mm-hmm. didn't produce anything. I'm so passionate about not using the word wish. I've got four children. And when we have birthday parties, when they go to blow out the candles, we don't say make a wish. We say make a goal. There's no mm-hmm. wishing. We do not do wishing. Wish, mm-hmm. wish upon a star, you leave that for Jiminy Cricket because it does not produce anything. Right. And so, so again, belief. 
forces mm-hmm. execution. And then luck, you hear people say, oh my God, the $100 million uh, lottery winner is so lucky. No, they weren't. They bought a ticket. They executed. <laughs> and so <laughs> there was some action even in that. <laughs> yes, there's action. Even in, even in winning the lottery, you right. had to go buy a ticket. Right. You can't, and chances you can't are that person bought a ticket every single day. So they were consistently executed. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, hope, wish, and luck. I just, those are three words I will not use. I've had so many people challenge me on it and say, mm-hmm. you know, JT, sometimes hope is all people have. Well, you know what? Then you need to give them belief because hope isn't doing anything. Mm-hmm. And I just, I do not, for me, hope's just a, a, a worthless word. Wish is, is a right. worthless word and luck is, is worthless. Mm-hmm. I, I believe, I believe that given my circumstances, I can still succeed. I believe I, I, I can be a, a phenomenal husband and, and father. Uh, you know, a new word that I've, I've thought about throwing onto the list is, um, satisfaction. Everyone talks about customer satisfaction and uh, employee satisfaction. And I thought to myself, I go, who the hell wants to be satisfactory? I would never want my wife to, you know, to be a, a girl. Yeah, girls night out and they say, hey, how's, how's your husband? You know, how's he treat you? Oh, he's satisfactory. Well, he's satisfactory. <laughs> who the hell wants to be satisfactory? You know, so, you know, I never want my kids to say, yeah, my dad was satisfactory. So <laughs> I, I just refuse to, you know, I'm yeah. like, satisfaction is a, satisfaction it's is not a standard word. to aspire to. Yes. <laughs> yes. We, we, and you'll hear commercials. We aspire to the highest customer satisfaction going, that's not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, hope, that. wish, and luck. Uh, and, and as a bonus, satisfaction. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that that's phenomenal vocabulary addition, right? For the keys to success, you know, keep that. But you know, I it's, think, it's uh, funny you say that, Nikki. As far as our culture goes, we have what we call the language Bible, mm-hmm. and within the company, there are words you cannot use: hope, wish, and luck. Can't use them. Right. Uh, definitely can't say thank God it's Friday. Mm. No, thank yeah. thank God it's Monday. Monday. Yes, thank God it's Tuesday. And, and here's the, what's really important about that. If you find yourself in a career, a job, a company where you have to say, thank God it's Friday and you're trading two for five, you're in the wrong place. Leave. Right, totally. Go, go somewhere else. And so I just, that, that term definitely can, that phrase can get you fired from, from I, I don't want you to be here if you have right. to feel that it's, thank God it's Friday. Let me help you find a career that you're happy in. Because if you, if you have to say that and trade two for five, you're in the wrong place. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more with you. We uh, actually started this podcast as a way to share inspiring stories and strategies with our audience so they could turn TGIF into TGIM. I mean, it was literally, that was one of the ins- inspiration was stop being, allowing yourself to be stuck in something that isn't right for you because it's not the sunk cost, it's the opportunity cost of not living your greatest life and not making the greatest impact because that's what we're all meant to do. And I think when you focus on hope, you leave the door open for possible failure. And that's what really gets in the way of execution because if you think you might fail, well, you're going to hedge your bets. You won't fully commit. You won't fully commit, exactly. Belief leads to full commitment and total decision for consistent execution. And that is, success is as simple as that. Totally. um, So um, 
Let's talk about um, your um, company, Scribe, which I'm a huge fan of because we talked about your uh, personal journey and the circumstances uh, that you went through to become who you are today. And today, you know, you're the CEO of this incredible company, Scribe Media, that uh, really helps get people's messages out. Thanks for listening. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com, where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources referenced in this episode. And be sure to take the quiz on the website. Your score will tell you where you are, what helps you gain momentum, and what holds you back. You'll also get a free guide with cutting-edge career strategies. We'd also love to hear from you. Share your comments and topic suggestions on IamBeyondBarriers.com and we'll be sure to address them in future episodes. If you enjoyed our show today, please subscribe and rate the podcast or just tell a friend about it. See you next episode.